this thing is a great gift day, um, a strip show, dance show. Work there, dude. Welcome back, guys. On today's show, we interview lead singer from Hello Fiasco, Eric Labossiere, and also, why are men giving up on work? Also, what is Amazon trying to ban that we use every day? And how come this lady didn't tip her pizza delivery driver? All this and much, much more on Deacon Live. How are you? How are things going? How are you doing? Are you doing okay? I feel so small. I'm sitting here in this in my studio here, and we broadcast just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, a beautiful little town we like to call Marshville. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. Facebook, go over to ProfitRadio.com, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-U Radio, click on social contacts, and now all the links are there. Uh, Instagram, dying dying media source there, Twitter, trying to come back. Uh, we're on TikTok, yay, TikTok, and uh, all the other social medias that are out there. And we also have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can see for every podcast we do, we have a matching video, me waving to you and you waving to us as well, hopefully at the same time as you're watching this video. Now, I was saying that I'm sitting here in the studio and I feel so small. Right before I went on the air, this morning when i came up here to the studio of course fire everything up everything's running all time anyway so you know pull everything out of sleep mode uh things are running in the background and the main monitor that i have here in the studio is a 32 inch flat screen monitor uh i need it because i have multiple windows open on my you know my desktop and to to run the show and to run everything like that i mean people working from home understand this my wife's christ she's got three monitors you know between (laughs) that stretch out it looks like sears sears and robux center you know, with the, all the TVs and stuff she's got display with all the, the stuff that she's got going on. So anyways, the my 32-inch flat screen monitor failed. So I walk in the house. I mean, first world problems, right? And I walk into my house and I go, I, I don't want to sound shallow, but um, do we have an extra flat screen TV laying around that we're not using here on the house, on the property, on the French? She's like, yeah, we have one in the, the guest bedroom. Just take that one. Why? What do you need it for? I go, well, the monitor upstairs at, in the studio is not working, so i, I got to swap them out. Oh, I've got this one over here, and she's got like this little 19-inch flat screen little guy, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 child. I cannot use that one. Everything would look like a, an envelope stamp when I open up all the different windows. So I go into the spare bedroom, and I disconnect everything from that TV, from the guest TV that's in there. It's a flat screen, and I didn't realize how big this thing was. Now, back in my old studio, when we lived down in Florida, this was my monitor, but my studio desk was a little bit bigger. Now I'm in a more... I kind of downsized a little bit, but this monitor that I have is 42 inches wide. I'm like, literally, literally, you can see me on the camera. My eyes are literally looking dead center in the monitor, and you can see my eyes are at like a 15 degrees pitch up looking into the monitor. So it's going to be a little bit before I can order my next one. And get it here. No, I'm no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to my 32. This 42 is way too big. I, I feel like a little kid in a candy store. Everything's bigger and smaller. Not that everything's fun and free. Now, speaking of fun and free, um, as you guys know, I've been dealing with my back issues for many years now. And I went to the doctor, broke down, went to the doctor after the COVID thing. And you know, we'd done the MRI x-rays and my nurse practitioner, God damn it. <coughs> Starting already. My nurse practitioner says, you know, we'll do some MRIs and then we'll see the results of that and and take further measures. I'm like, all right, cool. So went down, like I said, got the MRIs done. And then I get a email saying your prescription's ready at CVS. And I'm like going, I don't know what that is. And then I would get emails for 
your the test results are back for your thing and your this is back for your whatever my blood work and my MRI test results are back so I just kind of ignore it I've never had this happen before I, I just ignored it just ignored it you know as most men do ah good advice from a doctor ah fuck them <laughs> I'll deal with it when I come across it so I'm sitting on the back porch actually not sitting on the back porch I take that back I'm I'm letting the dog out it's 7:30 at night of course it's pitch black daylight saving times thank you very much. And so I'm letting the dog out front to pee, and I'm out there watching her, make sure she doesn't, you know, wander off in the neighbor's yard or whatever. And I'm standing there, and I just turn to my left, just a slight turn, my lower body stationary. I spun around to grab the storm door to open it up to go back inside the house. As soon as I turned around and I was able to look over my left shoulder, it felt like, you ever seen or you ever heard when a bowling ball strikes the pins and it, it's a solid strike? You know, all ten pins go down and they rattle around and you're like, oh, God, that was a good strike. I heard that in my spine. It felt like the three vertebrae that I'm having an issue with basically just snapped together and I dropped. I dropped like a sack of potatoes on the ground. My legs just like a shock electric. I didn't lose any feeling. I didn't lose anything. I just sack of potatoes, boom, on the ground. And my wife came running and she's like, what the hell's going on out here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm down here. Hello, me on the floor. She's like, oh my God, what's wrong? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, my legs just gave out on me. So she rolls me over on my hands and knees, get to my hands and knees and get to my feet and then crouch up and then stand straight up. And as soon as I stood straight up, I was fine. I had no pain, no anything like that. But just that movement, it did something, sent an electric shock down my legs and my legs go, oh, really? Bam. <laughs> Stick you down a peg, right? So the next morning, my wife and I are talking about it. She's like, well, have you, what's the latest on your MRI. I go, well, I get emails all the time, babe. I, I, I don't know. I'm waiting for a call back for me to go down and sit with my doctor. No, 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 that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Atrium here in North Carolina, when you go see a doctor and you go somewhere else to get like a referral and they do your referral, they send you an email on the results. It's up to you to sit there and read them. And then, like I said, a couple podcasts ago, who am I to sit here and decipher what's going on? Sure enough, my wife goes, well, let's just see what's going on. I, I said, all right, well, read it. I said, if it's bad, don't let me know. But if it's good, you can let me know. Or if it's dire, <laughs> if I'm dying, let me know that as well. So she types everything in, and she's like, oh, I've got the test results for your blood work. And she's kind of, you know how women read or people read, and they just go, which is good. And she was okay, maybe a little high. Okay. Oh, she's going to put you on some kind of medication to, to bring your whatever levels down or something like that. And I said, okay, that's probably why I was getting a call from CVS. You're <laughs> recording your prescription. Starting with the letters A, T, is ready for pickup. You have eight days and or we put it back on the shelf. I said, okay, well, that's probably what that was. Well, d didn't you read this? No, babe, I did not read the emails. I said, you're on my, my HEPA plan or whatever, my agreements. You read them to me. And you tell me if I, I'm watching on the opposite side of the laptop that she's reading it from, if her eyes get really, really big, I'm like, oh, God, and I start pacing. Or if they get really, really small or she cracks a smile and I'm like, okay, everything's good. And then she gets into the back. Oh, here's your MRI thing. Here's your MRI. Degenerate. L5, L6, S531. She's naming off. I know what she's talking about. She's talking about the different vertebrae and, and the levels and some incognitive destruction. <laughs> Fail safe. Anyways, they're referring me to an actual spine specialist. And I said, okay, good. 
but I haven't gotten a call. This is like two weeks now, three weeks now. I haven't gotten a call. She's like, well, I have to go back for my yearly exam. I'll just let you know my doctor know that we haven't gotten any phone calls back. So she goes down to her doctor's the very next day, uh, and then she does her whatever she does at the doctor's, and then she comes back. She's like, yeah, I told him about it. And then within an hour of her getting home, uh, hello, may I speak to Mr. Deacon, please? Uh, yeah, I don't know why she sounds like a black country girl, but, uh, yeah, Mr. Deacon, uh, I have set up an appointment with Dr. Chastanazi. Uh, you are going down for, uh, uh, your, your spinal thing, and, uh, it'll be Monday at 5 p.m. Monday? 5? Yes, sir, that's the, as soon as they got it. And basically, I can hear her in a voice go, mm-hmm, my job's done here, you, honey, you want, you want to switch that date? You're gonna have to call them yourself, because I am off the clock right now. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, God, and, but it's not till like January, January 9th or something stupid like that. And so I told my wife, she's like, are you going? I'm going, it's five o'clock, babe. I'm winding everything down for the day. She's like, you better go. I'm like, ah, we'll, we'll see what happens. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. It's January 9th. Um, that little fall probably, you know, scared everyone here in the, in the household. Uh, so my wife wants me to get it taken care of. And the weird part is my back is actually somewhat better after that fall. Like, you know, you smack the side of a TV to get better reception. All you had to do is just drop me on the ground a couple of times and it lines my back right up. And I've been walking around. I, I, I was playing soccer with the kids next door. I was cutting down trees. No, I'm just kidding. But no, for real, my back does feel fine. But who's to say, you know, what that means? Is that the calm before the storm? We'll find out on January 9th. All right, guys, stick around. Lots to get into. And coming up here in just one sec, we're going to talk to the lead singer of Hello Fiasco, Eric Labossiere. So stick around. You'll listen to Deacon Live right here on Proper Radio. I'll be right back. Girl, you look good. Won't you pack that ass up? You's a fine motherfucker. Won't you pack that ass up? I do not like internet radio. Profit radio. Profit radio. Hi, Travis. Hi. Hello. We're talking about you. Are your ears hurting? No, but my butt is. My hand's doing this. Can you think of any way you'd want to be a part of it? 407-448-448-8800. Profit radio. Profit radio. You were the first kid on the block to have goddamn internet access. Um, I remember your, um, your Commodore... Um, it was like a 128 or something. Yeah. Just trying to fit in in um, to a world that does not accommodate them. That's good. <laughs> what? Hold on. No. Yeah. yeah. Texas Live. That's awesome. The interweb. Call 407. Very good. 448-8800. 0-0. You were, it was an anomaly. Deacon Live now presents you The Christ with his latest song, Empathy. He's giving you another dose of real truth all the way from Canada. For more information, check him out over at ProfitRadio.com. The Christ is telling you something. 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 Now it's time. You feel this. I know about mental illness. This is charity. No fundraising. Welcome back to Deacon Live. We'd love to hear from you. And the way you can be part of the show at any given time, go over to Profit Radio. P-R-O-P-H-E-T Radio. Click on the Be Heard sections, a little blue bar somewhere on the page, depending on what device you're listening to us on or you're searching the web go to be heard opens up a microphone speak right into it speak clear you can be anonymous if you want and you can ask us any question that you'd like on this podcast or any of the past podcasts that we've been doing for the last seven years or so uh and we'll play it on the very next podcast as well you can be part of the show you can be right here on the air with us and you can be famous famous i'm podcast famous (laughs) yay 
And while you're over there, we'll also give you a bunch of free stuff. Fill out that little form there. Free swag. Uh, we have some buttons, some stigner, stick, stickers. <laughs> Easy on that. Some stickers, some magnets, oh, a whole bunch of stuff to give you. Just say thanks for listening to us and sharing us as well. Now, it's that time of year. Olive Garden has uh, rolled out their, what, never-ending pasta bowls. Jesus Christ, you seen those commercials? They look so good. Every time I see it, I'm like going, God, I want to eat there. But I know if I sit down and eat one bowl of any of that pasta, that's it. That's how they get you. Oh, come on in and eat, you know, as much as uh, these carbohydrates, this pasta-filling, belly-full stuff. Oh, by the way, did we? Did I tell you we're giving you salad and breadsticks as well? No, did you? Rah, rah, rah. Unfortunately, where we live... Uh, we live just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, a beautiful little town we like to call Marshalls, population 2,500 people. That's it. That's us. That's it. We are nothing but farmland and cornfields and horses and cows and all that stuff. We are literally out here in the country. But there is no olive garden close to us around here. Literally have to drive probably 35 to 40 minutes to get to an olive garden. And when I say 30 to 45 minutes, you're like, ah, that's, that's no problem. No, there's no traffic. So it's like 60 miles an hour for 30 to 45 minutes so do the math on that not that it's 200 and some odd miles away but it's a pretty good distance from us you have to plan a day to go to olive garden as you know all you commoners out there are so lucky you have one on every other street corner across from a red lobster but this guy right here was trying to pay for his bill you know sitting at this table he probably had the ss and bs what the kids call soup salad and breadsticks and probably had some of that never-ending pasta bowl as well. And he went to pay the bill, and while he was sitting there trying to, you know, finish up his last heel of, of his garlic breadstick, he noticed there was something on the table. Now, I guess Olive Garden is trying to bring people back in to sit down and actually have meals and stuff, so they put in these games or these little touch screens on the tables. Now, my wife loves to go to the bars. Hold on. I'm not done with the sentence. She likes to go to the bars and where they have that mega touch. People will travel, will go to one bar over another because they have that mega touch where you sit there and you play the little bar game. It's got that big CRT monitor that takes up like three spots at the bar. I'm sure the bartender loves that big thing sitting there on paying seats. But now they've got like <clears throat> almost a tablet type thing on these tables. Well, Olive Garden has now incorporated this tablet on their table. A TikToker is poking fun at their Olive Garden experience after accidentally playing games on their restaurant tablet device without noticing they were being charged for it. In a recent video posted on TikTok, viewed more than 470,000 times, user Latrell at Goodbus, B-U-S-S, shares his first experience on Olive Garden new digital kiosk. Uh, accidentally bought table games at the Olive Garden just because I've never seen this device before, Laterial wrote in the overlay, playing and pointing out this thing here. Now, if you want to see the video, for every, hold on. For every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well, and you can see this in real time as we're talking about it here on the air. So let me switch cameras here, camera four, so we can see it. This monitor is so fucking big. <laughs> I'm like looking at the ceiling. Here we go. What the motherfuck are you doing that for? That's embarrassing. You're embarrassing. Two ninety nine. There, I know it was a real quick clip. Two ninety nine. He found out that it was added to his bill for playing the games. I don't know if he was sitting there, you know, just trying to kill time and stuff. But yeah, two ninety nine. So be careful. They might throw that charge on there if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Oh, look at this. A little touchscreen thing. You don't put any money in. You just start playing. Well, guess what? You're gonna pay two ninety nine for it. And Latirio found that out as well. 
Now, Amazon, you ever heard of those guys? Amazon right now is planned to kill the barcode. An exclusive Amazon cameras can recognize products with computer vision. No barcodes needed. Not even the, the QR code that's on there. Eventually, the system will support all robots. Robots may be the future, but robotic arms are apparently no good at using the old steadfast form of technology, the barcode. The barcode can be hard to find. Oh, by the way, I do love this big screen because I can read the stuff better. It's like the bigger version of Reader's Digest. I don't have to squint and look at it. Anyways, uh, barcodes can be hard to find and be affixed to oddly shaped products. Uh, something that, let me switch screens here so you don't have to look at this. They can be hard to affix to oddly shaped products, something robots have can't troubleshoot very well. As a result, the company said this past Friday that they have a plan to kill the barcode. Now, just in their warehouse for now, but it might take off later on. Using pictures of items in Amazon's warehouse and training the computer model, the e-commerce giant has developed a camera system that can monitor items flowing one by one down the conveyor belt, which makes sure that they match their images. Eventually, Amazon's AI experts, roboticists, want to combine the technology with robots and identify the items while picking them up and turning them around. So solving this problem so robots can pick the items up and process them without needing to find out to find and scan the barcode. It's fundamental, says Nantas Anton Akowas, an applied science engineer from Amazon's computer division group in Berlin. It will help us get the packages to the customers more quickly and more accurately. (laughs) My best Berlin accents. Uh, The system is called multi-module module identification. Isn't going to fully replace the barcodes just yet, but yet it's currently being used in facilities in Barcelona, Spain, Hamburg, Germany, according to Amazon. Still, the company says that it's already speeding up time and takes process and packaging on their own floor. So they're getting rid of the barcode in their own thing in their own system, their own community, which is good. Anything that they can do to help things go on a lot faster. So my question is, returning the stuff? I mean, on this end, we don't have that kind of AI. I mean, are we worried about that? Now, granted, everything will be a barcode. You always get a slip. You stick the slip to the the box. The box goes to the outlet. The outlet tapes it up for you and sends it back to them. So hopefully they're sending back the right product. (laughs) Because I think, don't they scan... I could be wrong. My wife bought a couple belts, and one was a black belt, one was a white belt, one was a red belt, and they were all leather. And the lady at the outlet, the kiosk or whatever, for the returns, I think it was like a UPS store or something like that, she scanned the printout that they give you, and then she scanned the three items to make sure that those three items were on that thing, kind of like when you do a normal return like Walmart or something. So how are they going to scan or know that these items, if they don't have barcodes on them, Maybe they do have barcodes for our sake, but they're not going to use them on their end. I don't know. It's it's a new thing. It's a brand new world, <laughs> and we're getting into it right now. All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk to Hello Fiasco's lead singer, Eric Labossiere. Stick around. You'll listen to Deacon Live right here on Proper Radio. I'll be right back. The bear went over the mountain to see what he could see. And the other side of the mountain was all that he could see. So he went back over the mountain to see what he could see. And the other side of the mountain. Don't like internet radio. I do not like internet radio. Profit radio. Profit radio. I tell you, if I were to super fly you on the back side of your face and I'd lift you up off the side and, and grab your arm, or you'd be 
like, oh, excuse me, let me get rid of my microphone. Yeah. yeah Maybe you get rid of your microphone for a second out of your microphone hand, and you little pussy-ass wrist would get broken. <laughs> you think something else is not fake. I think wrestling is completely fake. Who's wrestling? 407-448-8800. You're listening to Deacon Live. Deacon Live. Deacon Live. You can drop your things. Welcome back to Deacon Live. From their debut album, Find the Shoreline, which has now over 3 million streams and has been placed on over 6,500 Spotify lists and getting a mix of radio plays in over 25 countries and counting, Hold Me Close, their latest single from this album, has 700,000 streams and 200,000 views on YouTube. On the phone with us right now, the frontman for the band Hello Fiasco, Eric LeBossier. Hello, Eric. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us on the show, Travis. Did I say your name right? Because that's a very, very fancy name. You did an amazing job. As you know, we're, a, we're, an, we're an American-Canadian band, but uh, a lot of us are French, and you did a great job. So, well, Great. So you're Canadian and American, so you have, like, dual ships? I mean, where are you located right now? I live in Helena, Montana, but I was originally born and raised Canadian. Been down here for a lot of years, and I, I am a dual citizen, so I have both citizenships. So how many members are in the band Hello Fiasco? There's five of us. Four of the guys live over in Canada, and I'm the only guy over here in the U.S. right now. How come they didn't come over with you over here to the United States? Well, I'm still hoping I can convince them, but uh, we're not there yet. Well, it's, I would think the music scene, and don't get me wrong, I love Canada. I would think the music scene would be a little bit more beneficial being on this side of the border than Canada. But I could be totally wrong. I mean, am I am I wrong yeah. saying that, or you know? No, you're you're definitely partially right that Canada and U.S. are two different things. But you know, you can succeed on either side of the border. And big acts like whether it's anything like the Arkells or Nickelback has proven that. Um, now, whether they made their success in Canada or elsewhere, we uh, we try to play both sides of the border in the world. Now, hello, fiasco. Where did that name come from? We wanted a few of us used to play together in a band named the Mailman's Children. When we decided to break off of that and create this new adventure, which is called Hello Fiasco. We wanted something that represented the challenge that we were about to face and starting over and embracing the things that happen when you're recording new songs, the things that happen when you're forming a new band. There's always going to be challenges just like anything in life. So Hello Fiasco represents embracing change, embracing challenge, welcoming the challenges. And it's kind of like the old adage of the uh, buffalo and the cow. Either you're going to be the cow that tries to avoid the storm and runs away from it and drags out the storm, or you're going to be the buffalo that runs into the storm and gets through it faster. So we want it to be the people that welcome change. And that's why it's Hello Fiasco, bring it on. Um, and that's where it came from. So you guys just surfaced in 2021, but you guys have been together for many years, correct? Well, actually, three of us have been together for a lot of years, but all, all five of us have known each other for years on the scene. We all we all kind of grew up in the Winnipeg, Manitoba region in Canada together. Um, but in 2016-17, we started recording kind of behind closed doors with John Paul Peters towards this new adventure. And so we recorded 23 songs, and in 2021 is when we finally went on social media and said, hey, this is who we are. We're Hello Fiasco. So recording the 23 songs, were you basically saying, okay, let's see if this can happen. We can make some kind of, you know, magic between the five of us. And you did the 23 songs and then you said, okay, yes, this sounds great. We can do this. And then you released your first album. Out of the 23 songs, there's only 12 tracks on the first album. What happened to the other uh, <laughs> math there, 11 of them? We decided a few years back that, 
we weren't going to do the industry like we had done for quite a while and throw songs out and only do singles. We wanted to make sure that we had something special. In 2016 and 17, when we started, we had more of a long-term strategy and we said, hey, we're not just going to record a couple of songs. We're going to record lots so that we can pick from the batch and make a great album. And we even pulled the songs across six countries to thousands of people which some will say is contrived, but we decided that, hey, we want to make sure we meet people in the middle and we do what we still love and write songs that we love, but we also want to make sure that we're meeting the listener in the middle and doing 50% for them and giving them the songs that they love. And this way we could have more of a massive feel than we ever did and more of a pop rock world appeal. So the 11 songs, are you going to put those on like an EP or something later on? Lost yeah, we're, lost we're, uh, tracks, hidden tracks. <laughs> yeah, there, a lot of them are solid songs, and uh, we're already working on our second album. Obviously, it's almost done, but we, um, we're we definitely going to use those songs, so they're not going away. So you guys got together in 2016 through 17, and Hello Fiasco surfaced in 2021. Now, how did you guys deal with like, like the whole pandemic thing that was going on? Were you locked down in Canada, or were you here in the United States during that time? Well, I was in the United States for the whole time, and it, it, it definitely caused problems for us. And I'm not going to say that it caused more problems for us than other bands. But for us, what happened was for a couple of years, it was extremely difficult, if not impossible at times, for me to cross the border. Even though I was a Canadian citizen, it was so difficult. We decided to keep going and obviously make this happen. And so we had to record in two different countries at times. At times, there were tracks like Before Time Leaves You um, and this new track, Let's Live In The Now, that we recorded, where I recorded my parts in Montana and the guys recorded with John Paul Peter in Winnipeg. So I had a producer here in Montana. The guys had a producer over there and we were literally emailing songs to create them and make them so that things wouldn't slow down. Finally, this year, we've been able to start playing shows and cross-border. So yeah, it affected us. I'm not going to lie. It was tough on everybody. You would, yeah, you would be surprised at how many bands in the in the last three years uh, actually followed that same suit as far as emailing tracks and stuff. Now, doing this process... Do you feel like you kind of lost the magic or lost the organic feel as playing with all five guys and saying, you know, all right, you know, I'm going to do a little riff. You run off this riff with the bass line and, the, and the, the drum beat and stuff rather than just sitting there, you know, here's the drum line, put something to it. Did you feel like you lost that organic magic that you would get normally by being in a room all together by doing it online? I actually think we gained magic um, because for the first time we were challenged in different ways we didn't anticipate. And um, I had to let go a lot, too. I could be in the room with the guys when they were doing what they were doing and whereas often I'll lead the situation they made their own decisions the producer made his own over in Winnipeg and it really helped us out as a band uh, in crazy ways we didn't see coming also to the pandemic the, the one saving grace was that we were about to start touring and the funniest thing by pulling back and touring now and doing our first shows this, this year um, we're actually stronger because we had more time to rehearse once we were able to cross the border so it's pretty interesting how, uh, how there's always pros and cons to every event in life right and plus you didn't have to see him like every day for like months at a time. You brought guys were probably tired of each other by then. Yeah, we might have avoided one or two arguments. Those <laughs> never happened in band. No, not at all. Now, your new album that's coming out called Find the Shoreline, this is the title of your debut album. So tell me, what is the meaning? I'm sure there's a story behind that. So, again, if you look at the length of time we we took to produce and make this album, um, you know, it's not just 12 songs, it was 23 songs and it was a lot of trials and tribulations and I, I think that it's, it's a pretty representative record when it came together, it all sounded like one thing, but, you know, we were all in the ocean for a while and kind of find our way and make this happen and go through the the COVID and all these different things going on. And to us, because the songs are very personal on the record and about uh, personal lives and interactions around us, 
we're all just trying to find our way and get to the shoreline at times in life. We all feel lost. We all feel like it's really difficult to get through these things going on that we think only happen to us. Meanwhile, they're going to happen for the rest of our lives. And so we're all, we're always trying to find the shoreline. And, you know, the question is, do we get there in our mind? Do we get to the shoreline or not? You know, that's the, the vastness of the ocean. You're just lost at sea for a while. And we're all just trying to make it there. So these songs are about getting through life and getting to the personal challenges. So. That's, uh, that's where that came from. We're talking the lead singer, Eric Labossiere, from the band Hello Fiasco. Now, Eric, who writes all these songs? Where does your inspiration come from as far as the lyrics and everything? Right. Well, we, we all write the songs together. Um, I write the bass of the song, the songs we've been doing. I write the bass of the song, and I, I'll send it to the guys on demo, and then they have some time to hear it. And then usually we get into the studio together, and we'll have like one or two rehearsal days and then get right to tracking. We kind of... We don't like to waste time at this point because we know that if there's a song that we all kind of agree on that, hey, we're going to we're going to accept this demo and we're going to go through with it. We just get to recording right away to make sure it's fresh and exciting. So the guys, they all contribute. The guys in the band are all songwriters in their own way, shape or form. Plus, we have a co-producer that writes with us. So it's a team of about six writers, even though I write the base of every song in the general structure. So the lead off single from the album Find the Shoreline is a song called Hold Me Close. Tell us how this song came to be. Yeah, so Hold Me Close was written, ironically, before the pandemic, but came to life because of the pandemic in video <laughs> form. You know, I had written that one in particular about personal things I saw in my surroundings and my family and, and uh, friends, relationships and the struggles and them before COVID. But then COVID even enhanced those more, as we all know, where we were all trapped inside for a while and we were all trapped with our loved ones. And sometimes that made more strain and more flex on the relationship. And so the video that we produced, we ended up tying that into COVID on purpose because we knew that people could relate to that. And you see a couple stuck inside, trapped inside, and then finally they get released when they go outside and they do things in the real world and um the, the song is about having a new experience with the people you love so that you keep it fresh and keep it exciting we've all made that mistake i've done it the people around me will and we always will so we always need to be mindful of that i write songs as a lesson to remind myself i watched the video i enjoyed the video and i really do enjoy the song as well and the video matches it perfectly as far as what you were talking about being trapped inside and during the video i'm watching it going god man i had so much angst like get out <laughs> go do something <laughs> get outside yes now you've been compared to uh other bands like Panic at the Disco, Fall Out Boy and, and David Bowie. How does this make you feel? Do you feel like, hey, we've got our own sound but we appreciate that? How do you take those kind of compliments if you feel like they are compliments? Yeah, we definitely feel like those are compliments. <laughs> because we're a little bit more experienced and, and we know a lot of people in the industry, we decided to pull our music and we were pulling it. We were pretty shocked because a lot of people were saying, you know, um, Panic at the Disco and Killers and David Bowie, but then on her al more alternative tracks on the album, because we're a pop rock band, we even heard Franz Ferdinand and we were shocked and at the same time pretty happy when we reflected on it that we were getting compared to bands that have um, stood the test of time. And that's what we want to do. We don't want to just write songs that are one-offs and, and whatnot. We want to write songs that stand the test of the time and are called timeless, right? So... We were pretty honored by that. We felt amazing about it. So the name of your label is called The Mailman's Children, which is based on the original name of the band before it turned into Hello Fiasco, correct? That's right, yeah. Three of us used to be in The Mailman's Children, and then at the tail end of The Mailman's Children, Ivan Burke, our drummer, um, joined up with us. And you have also have a publishing company. What's the name of that? Uh, LaBoss Publishing, Inc. Uh, so who runs all this, the publishing company, and is there someone else, uh, you know, an army of, of people running the label itself, and, and who manages everything in between? Well, having an army would be amazing. But right now, <laughs> the band is managed by myself and Joel Couture, our bass player. Um, I've known Joe for 20 years, and we've always worked together. 
but at the same rate, because I'm on the U.S. side and the rest of the band is Canada, it causes tax complications, business complications, all kinds of stuff. So you mentioned tax. Is it better to be on the Canadian side of the border or the U.S. side of the border when it comes to the taxes? It's just I'm just well, I, interesting for me. Well, I don't know if I should be answering that on air, but uh, <laughs> the, the, the taxes are definitely better on the U.S. side. That's all I'm going to say. All right. We'll go with that. Now, uh You've got this full-length album that's coming out called Find the Shoreline. Where can they find this album? Well, right now, the album's on all major streaming platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Deezer, Tidal. It's all over the place. You can find it easily. And then we also created a site where people can access, you know, the liner notes, credits, everything with with the music store as well. We're talking to frontman Eric Labossiere from the band Hello Fiasco. Do you have any uh, upcoming tour dates now that we're allowed to roam free in the country and, and go to shows and live events? Are, are you have anything lined up here? Yeah, we're not we're not announcing our later 2023-2024 tours yet, um, but we are playing some shows in Canada right away. In uh, Winnipeg and Toronto, we're playing the the, uh, the known Festi Valley of Wajad in the French Quarter in Winnipeg and some other shows. Um, but we're not releasing all of our touring dates yet because that's not all finalized. And if someone wants to uh, find your social media sites and stuff, how can they find them there? You bet. So we're all over TikTok under Hello Fiasco. We're all over uh, Facebook and Instagram under Hello Fiasco as well. We're even on Twitter now, finally, despite their disruption. So we're all over social media. We're talking to Eric Labossiere from the band Hello Fiasco. Uh, Eric, anything else before we let you go? I'm pretty excited about the future. I'm. Uh, people can hear us all over internet, terrestrial, FM, TV, cable, radio right now. We're going to be cracking XM soon. We're being played in over 25 countries, so we're really excited about the future, especially since our debut album has now hit 3 million plays this week, and, and the, the future is looking bright for us. Well, Eric, we wish you all the luck out there. It sounds like you got everything under control, but you always need a helping hand somewhere, and we're, we're right there behind you. So anything we can do to help you along, let us know. We appreciate it. Thank you again for having us on Travel. Thank you, Eric. Stick around, guys. We'll be right back. Before time leaves you You're listening to Excellent Deacon Live Deacon Live Deacon Live Good Profit Radio has asked you to like our page What? What am I supposed to do? Hell yes Profit Radio has oh. asked you to like our oh. page You want me to I accept them. We at Profit Radio would love for you to like our page. What? Facebook? Got that one too. Yes, I'm good. We at Profit Radio. Yeah, I accept that one too. We'd love for you. Holy Christ! Honey, this is awesome. This is awesome. What? This is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay, got it. Shit. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. Profit Radio. Always, always seems to find you. What you want, you don't need, cause you lie too down. So why you be? Deacon Live now presents to you Hello Fiasco's first single off their debut album, Find the Shoreline. This is Hold Me Close. For more information, check them out over at ProfitRadio.com.
Welcome back to Deacon Live. Make sure you follow us on all your social networks. And the way you do that is go over to Prophet Radio, P-R-O-P-H-E-T Radio. Click on social contacts. You can see all the stuff, all the places that we are located. Make sure you click follow, like, share in that order. And while you're over there, get yourself something for free. A little drop-down menu that says free swag. Fill that out. We'll send you out some magnets, some stickers. Real nice magnets, real nice stickers. We'll send them out to you. High-quality stuff. I don't buy the shitty stuff like those other guys do. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get you the good stuff, baby. Just fill out that little form, and we'll send them out to you as quickly as we possibly can. You know, with Christmas being around and mail gets kind of clogged up. Now, I'm starting to dig this big monitor now that I'm sitting here. I feel like I'm sitting in like an IMAX theater, and I'm watching everything go by. I feel so small, but yet so in control of what's going on. This monitor is is huge. <laughs> it's it's nice. I like having this. I, I might keep it and forego buying the, uh, the $200, $300, whatever monitor the 32 inch monitor on amazon i'm just gonna keep this 42 here in the studio because i can see everything i can see everything i can see you and i can see you (laughs) i can see everything and i can read everything a lot better which is you know we were talking about me getting my mris and stuff done my wife had to up our insurance policy and she's like you know do you want me to put eyes in what is it? Eyes and i already have dental and stuff but i don't have vision on my insurance and it's never been an issue for me uh but my wife, you know, she has glasses and contacts, so she always gets insurance for her. And lately, I think it's this big screen that's sitting in front of me. My eyes are not as focused as they they have been, you know, in my 20s and my 30s. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm taking the phone and, and moving it further away from my face to, to read things in the morning. Now, granted, I do all my a lot of my research first thing in the morning to see what happened overnight. And I'm literally moving the phone further away. Babe, hold this for me. <laughs> on your side of the bed, hold it so I can read it. No, that's too far. Come back. But right now, a lot of men are just quitting uh, working. They're they're tired of it. They're giving up work right now. Many men in the United States leave the, the labor force when their earnings decline compared to with their better paid peers. The study found that more men dropped out when the workers' relative earnings has fallen. The findings from a Federal Reserve in Boston help explain the trends economics. I can read. I just can't pronounce the word. Have been puzzling for over decades why so many men have been giving up on the idea of holding a job down, roughly one in nine men ages 25 to 54 and individual prime working years are out of the labor market. That's compared to one in 50 in the mid-1950s. The trend has been driving chiefly by the working age men without college degrees who are exiting the labor force to at higher rates. Since 1980, workers without a four-year college degree have set their earnings steadily eroding relative to their college-educated peers, and findings show this. For example, the course of a 40-year study period, earning of a prime-age men without a degree fell 17% while college-educated men rose 20%. Along with examining the impact of the earnings, studies take into account the economic securities and social status that jobs have provided. The findings suggest that men who saw their social status and earning powers erode over time may have lost their incentive to work altogether. For many workers, a job is not only offers financial security, it also affirms their status, which is tied to the position relative to their age of the peers and many social outcomes. So what do you do? Uh, I'm a garbage man. Oh, uh, you know, whatever. Oh, what do you do? I'm a chief accountant at whatever. Oh, that, you know, that's interesting. And then you know, not, nothing against the garbage man. He probably makes 10 times more than the, the chief accountant. Accountant at the law firm. You don't need a 
a college education to be a garbage man, and yet it's still a fine trade to be in. Other economists have theorized that the decline of manufacturing jobs chase men out of the labor force, but sectors like manufacturing and construction have been adding jobs steadily here in the United States. So what they're saying, I mean, you you can dive down a whole entire rabbit hole, a wormhole, if you want to call it that, if you're a vegetarian. As far as, you know, we're sold this bill of issues as far as everyone needs to have a college education, and then we're starting to find out that, you know, pumping the these kids through the the college programs and stuff is just a, a way to to get their money. I had a good friend of mine that was a professor at a not a university, it was a university tech school and she actually said to me, she's like, you know, the first year students when they bring them in, yeah, yeah, it's $35,000, you know, per semester to be at this technical school and they make the first couple semesters really really easy. But then what happens is the next semester they make it so hard for you to actually, you know, complete and, and do everything, but yet you're halfway through your your second year trying to get your AA or AS or whatever degree that you physically these people start dropping out. When these they start dropping out, it opens up room for more people, and then a lot of people just you know get frustrated and don't want to do it, that college thing anymore. And so here she is working in a university, a state accredited school, and she's like, yeah, a lot of these kids don't make it past the first year, and it's just they just turn and burn them, just turn and burn them to get, keep the roster filled as far as getting the classrooms filled. So I thought that was kind of depressing at the time. Now something that's depressing right now is. Pat Sajak has been hosting the, the Wheel of Fortune since 1981, and it shouldn't be to anyone's surprise, after four decades of the game show, he won't be on it much longer. Even Pat Sajak said that the, the face of facts in September, the 76-year-old reflected on the iconic show that he hosts, stating, years go by fast, we're getting near the end, and most television shows by this time would have said that's probably enough. By this time, the show will not die. Uh, I think Bob Barker just, what, turned 99 the other day? He was on his own uh, Price is Right show, and uh, that was a good hoot over there. It appears that I may go before the show, Pat Sajak added. It's been a long time. We're not going to do this for another 40 years so however since he's such such a big part of the show who could possibly fill his shoes well some viewers think they know who it is and they shared their thoughts on reddit of course front page of the internet the fans are pretty certain that pat sajak's daughter maggie sajak is set up to take over for her father maggie currently serves as the show's social correspondent and commenters think that that's just one step away from hosting the actual position it wouldn't be maggie's first time on the wheels stage either she filled in for Vanna White when Vanna hosted the show after Pat had to bow out due to emergency surgery a few years ago, but fans aren't thrilled with the 27-year-old Maggie as a potential successor. You know, they're always going to complain about something. It's not the changes. We don't like change. We don't want anyone to do anything. I want, uh, if you can get a robotic Pat sit there, and I want him to, and Vanna White, she's not even turning letters anymore. She just basically <laughs> taps the screen. It's a big touch screen now. Every, I don't like I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I want everyone to. I want it to be exactly the way I was when I was a little girl uh, in 1981 when Pat Sajak and his big fat head took over um, the Wheel of Fortune. We didn't like him then, but we we've grown to love him, and now he's going to leave us. Traitor! He's a traitor. <laughs> so that's what's happening. Pat Sajak, 76 years old, man. I couldn't imagine doing something that long. Now hear me out. Doing something that long. And then have to, you know, or being that age and have to sit there and go, God damn it. 
You know, I'm 60. Let's say I'm 65 years old. I got another 10 years on my contract to do this shit. I want to go take my money and go around the world. I want to travel. I want to go see stuff. Now, granted, you know, Wheel of Fortune has opened up some stuff to him and he doesn't work a nine to five job. He's only, uh, I think they do a couple seasons of shows for like three months and then he's off for what, eight? There's a lot of math there. That's why I'm not on the show. But I mean, still imagine being 76 years old. All right, honey, I got to go. I got to go spin the wheel with these knuckleheads and he got a little loose lipped on a couple things out there got bad in trouble he doesn't care he doesn't care at all but so he's bowing out here shortly and they're thinking that his daughter maggie's going to take over all right guys stick around when we come back uh is, do you have airplane mode on your phone is that still a thing anymore well we'll talk about that when we get back stick around you're listening to deacon live right here on proper radio i'll be right back Former Playboy Playmate model. This is Yvette Lopez with their latest song, Dive. For more information, check her out over at ProfitRadio.com. And now it's time for Lessons Learned with Jason. Jesus Christ, Jay. Howell. We interrupt this program to bring you a news bulletin. I'm a grown ass man. Jason Howell. Jason Howell. Jason Howell. You're listening to Profit Radio and Lessons Learned with Jason Al. Obviously, there's a lesson learned right there. Yeah, lesson learned. Don't ever play that song again, Trav, because that song sucked. Well, come on now. Profit Radio. Profit Radio. 407-448-8800. Are you conscious or unaware of how you think? Being unaware is therefore literally not knowing any better when you instinctively act and not understanding who can be hurt in this process. Now this makes other parties unconscious reactions to your unconscious reactions as part of a program survival mechanism. Do you taste your food or do you mechanically chew it and swallow it? You don't stop to feel the gratitude of what happens. You know, the numerous hands that went into cleaning, packaging, and stocking your meal on the shelves and then on the plate. If you have these questions and you want these questions to be answered, there's a new book out from Flora Smith that's called Living Consciously in a Zombie Apocalypse. You can check her out on Kindle for free or you can buy the paperback and hardback versions on Amazon.com. That's Flora Smith with her latest book, Living Consciously in a Zombie Apocalypse. Follow us on Facebook. You always talk. Keyword. You talk and you talk and you say. Profit. Profit. Let me tell you something. Radio. Radio. I just want to say this. Profit. So shut up. Radio. Radio. Scrolling past the dump link on Facebook. You're listening to. Deacon Live. Deacon Live. Deacon Live. Welcome back to Deacon Live. If you want to be part of the show, we'd love for you to be part of the show. And the way you can do that is go over to Profit Radio, P-R-O-P-H-E-T Radio. Click on, uh, there's a little blue bar floating around there. It says Be Heard. Opens up a microphone on your device. You can be anonymous if you'd like. Just speak right into it. 
comes right to our inbox and we'll play it on this podcast. If you get it in quick enough, if not, we'll play it on the very next podcast as well. And you can talk about any of the podcasts that we've been doing. Uh, make sure you get those in and we will answer them live on the air. And while you're over there, get yourself something for free. Christmas time's coming around. You need those last minute stocking stuffers. Click on uh, free swag. We'll send them out to you and you can give them, we'll send them out to you and you can, uh, Put them in your stockings for all your co-workers or something like that. Just let us know what you want us to do. It's that easy, you know. <laughs> we're, we're pretty laid back here, you know. I've got this huge mega screen freaking monitor now, 42-inch flat screen monitor that's bigger. I said to my wife, I said, it's like putting your car on my table here. <laughs> on my desk here in the studio because before I had this little 32 that this morning fired everything up, pulled everything out of sleep mode, you know, energy saving. That's what I do. And it literally was like sitting there blinking, blinking, and I could see the cursor moving around. I could see the desktop icons and everything, and it was just blinking like flashing. It was basically saying, bye, bye. It's flicking his fingers back and forth, and you could see me doing my fingers flicking here. And for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well. You can see all the stuff that goes on here in the studio, me waving to you hopefully you guys are waving back to me hi and uh that's that's what's going on i'm starting to dig this i'm putting my foot down i think i'm going to keep this big old monitor here i feel small but yet i feel like i said in charge of this thing so my vote is to keep this monitor now a vote over in europe is setting new grounds for people flying on airplanes. Why do we still use airplane mode on on flights, even though some countries no longer care anymore? Uh, come next year, airline passengers within the European Union will no longer have to set their mobile phones on airplane mode when hopping on a flight. The European Commission decided on in November to allow airlines operating in the EU to provide the latest 5G technology on their planes, thereby allowing passengers to operate their phones just as they would on the ground. And and the results in faster messaging, phone, and data services, according to this press release. Remember the old days where, I mean, there was something to be said on the old days when you used to get a phone call on your cell phone and you buy any kind of <clears throat> any kind of speaker or something like that. You heard that 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 weird sound that <laughs> that caused for some alarm. I don't know if that was a 2G or whatever that that cell service was, and I could see how that would mess up stuff cuz if you're listening like a by your TV, if you're listening to something on the stereo and your phone was anywhere near those speakers, yeah, it would kind of scramble that signal for a little bit. So I could understand that messing with the instruments. But now we got 5G. Half the planes are carrying 5Gs anymore. Most of the planes are online anyways. So why can't we use that message or use that same data plan, that same signal <laughs> to get our phones on? And what about those planes where if you wanted to pay for, like here in the United States, you wanted to pay for... Uh, Wi-Fi service on the plane or on the flight, you could get that. As it currently stands, the FAA and the FCC restrict usage of cellular devices on civilian aircrafts, with no exception for devices that can be disabled from a cellular transmission function, or, in other words, devices that can be placed on airplane mode. The reasoning, as repeatedly outlined in the FAA, they're tired of it, they're old, washed-up people, they don't understand technology anymore, concerns of the possibility of certain signals 
signals causing interference to the navigation or communication system of the aircraft. That's bullshit. I don't think that happens anymore. My neighbor's a pilot. He's been a pilot for God knows how many years now. He's a captain. I won't tell you what airline he worked for. And he's like going, it's it's crap. <laughs> Nobody cares. Or did I dream that? Maybe he did say they cares. I have to double check with him. I'll get back to you on the next podcast find out what the actual answer is when he gets back in town. The FCC also said in the past that the ban on using certain frequency bands was implemented to prevent in-flight usage from creating potential interference with wireless networks on the ground. And even as recently as this year, AT&T and Verizon agreed to delay the rollout of the 5G services near dozens of airports at the request of the government, amid concerns that the relatively new technology could interfere with the aircraft's altimeters, instruments used by the pilots to measure altitude and aid with the low-visibility landings in which they can provide information for the aircraft automatic safety systems. In the United States, the 5G services launched in 46 markets, <clears throat> and on January 19th, using frequencies in a radio spectrum called C-band, the FAA explains this on its website. The frequencies can be close to uh, using radio altimeters and stuff. So haven't we all go, oh, it's all, yeah, it's on airplane mode. Yeah, it's on airplane mode. And that stewardess goes by, <laughs> click that thing right back off. I don't care. Oh, oh uh, that's what gets me. When they walk up and down the thing, oh, you got to put your, you know, put your laptop, turn your laptops off, turn your devices off, do all that stuff. Has any, here we go, I'm going out on a, going out on a limb here, out on the wing. Has any planes actually had any crashes caused by, uh, we have determined that it was done by cellular service. The cellular service was, uh, some jackass in the back by the bathroom was playing floppy birds and, uh, actually caused the plane to crash in Nevada. Details at 11. You know, that type of stuff. Now, they got more problems with landing planes here in the past week where the pilots are fighting with the towers. Have you seen those videos yet? Yeah, they're on TikTok where the planes are fighting with the towers and saying, hey, look, you've been calling you guys and no one's calling us back from the towers. We're going to go ahead and land these planes. They got their own problems going on internally. Uh, worrying about my goddamn <laughs> me watching Netflix on my cell phone. Now, someone that's not really worried about airplane mode is NASA right now. And NASA, they had a successful thing with their whole moon Artemis launching everything. I guess they're all done with that. They're going to turn it over to SpaceX now. Yes, we did it. We figured it out. We're still relevant for now. <laughs> now, And then SpaceX is going to take us to the moon, from my understanding. I could have read the article wrong, but then again, I didn't have good cell signal when I was reading the article. But many, many years ago, in a land in a time far, far away, NASA launched into space a project called Voyager. There's Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 that's floating around out there in space. And Voyager, its whole entire program was basically to show life forms where we are in comparison to the other planets in the universe. <clears throat> in May, NASA scientists said that Voyager 1 spacecraft was sending back inaccurate data from its altitude control systems. In order to fix this system, engineers had to dig through decades and decades of old manuals. Some of the manuals they couldn't find, which is crazy. Voyager team saw the mystery glitch in late August. NASA officials wrote in the update, it says, turns out the spacecraft was beaming information using a dead computer that was corrupted with data. Voyager 1, along with its twin Voyager 2, were launched in 1977 
And the design lifetime was about five years to study Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and the respective moons up close. Nearly 45 years later, still in space, still active, both spacecrafts are still functioning. In 2012, Voyager 1 became the very first human-made object to venture beyond the boundaries of our sun's influence, known as the helipause, and into interstellar space. Now around 23 billion kilometers, which is for you laymen out there, 14.8 billion miles from Earth and sending back data from beyond the solar system. Nobody thought this would have lasted that long. Susan Dodd, the project manager for Voyager right now. So what happened was Voyager 1 was designed and built in the 1970s, complicating efforts to troubleshoot the spacecraft's problem because the current Voyager engineers have some documentation or command media, the technical term for the paperwork containing details on the spacecraft design and procedures. From those early mission days, other important documents have been lost or misplaced. Can you imagine that? Hey, uh, we're going to send this thing out in space. Uh, what do you want me to do with this manual and stuff to show us how to put the bolt? Right, ah, just throw it away. We're done with it. <laughs> no, we'll be dead, long gone, and, and no one's going to pay attention to this thing. Most of the engineers retired in the 70s and 80s, so there wasn't a big push for the project to actually create a document library. Most of the people would take their boxes home with them to the garage. What do you got there? Babe, how many times have I told you not to bring work home? Ah, honey, I'll just put it in the garage. No one's going to want these things, these damn documents with the schematics and everything of a spacecraft that's million, and I'll be gone. I'll be gone. <laughs> NASA now keeps some more robust records of documentation. There are some boxes with documents and schematics stored off-site from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and they can still, you know, to, to read these things, you physically have to go back to the engineers to read what they were actually scribbling on this thing. So they found some old, old, uh, they had to go back and find some old, old magazines or whatever that the original engineers have, and then tried to figure out everything of why Voyager 1 was sending back scrambled data. Well, as Voyager's floating out there it always has one antenna pointed back towards i almost said the united states like we're the only thing not the not the planet no screw everyone else to the united states to planet earth is what i meant to say we're all included on this and what happened was something it got past the you know the interstellar outlying areas and there might have been some kind of magnetic rocks and stuff that might have shifted that antenna a little bit i'm doing this like a hang 10 sign <laughs> shifting the magnetic antenna and they were trying to down boot down a lot of the computer stuff that was not being used on the Voyager 1 to correct that issue and they've corrected it but they had to go through like these old you know uh, steno pads and tablets and stuff that the old actual engineers had back in 1977 when this thing launched off. Can you imagine that? You can't figure it out. You got to go back to the go back to the books, go back to the basics and figure out the language that they were using. Uh, I think there was a movie that was doing that too. I think um they had, you know, everyone had Windows and had all the new systems, but no one knew the old DOS system, and they found that out as well. All right, guys, stick around. Uh, one more segment to get into, and we'll let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day. Stick around. You'll listen to Deacon Live right here on Proper Radio. I'll be right back.
Join, Join the, the next 120, 120, 120 minutes. minutes. Your time is coming, girl! The next 120 minutes here on Profit Radio. It's our turn now! Profit Radio. Profit Radio. Profit Radio. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. 4074488800 is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. I just needed a back rub tonight and I was wondering if you were, like, available. <laughs> Profit Radio. Profit Radio. Welcome back to Deacon Live. You want something for free? Well, we'd love to give you something for free. Close to the holiday season, uh, the way you get that is go over to Profit Radio, P-R-O-P-H-E-T Radio. Click on the free swag section. Uh, fill out that little form there. Believe me, I'm not going to do anything with your email address. i got enough shit going on here on the property. <laughs> I don't want to sit there and have to decipher anything. Just fill out the little form. I just need to know where to send this stuff at. Pick out what you want, and we'll send it to you. No problem at all. Free just for being a part of the show, just for being part of Deacon Live right here on Profit Radio. Now, living out here on our French. Now, we broadcast just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, in a beautiful little town. And I use that term loosely now. <laughs> but our town of Marshville, North Carolina, population 2,500. Uh, we literally do not have anything around us. My dad moved in with us when my mom passed away in February and asked me if we had like a Staples or an Office Depot around us. And I said, nope, we do not. You have to go to the next town over. Well, what do you have around here? I said, did you look down that road? He's like, yeah. I go, what'd you see? He goes, nothing. I go, did you look down that road? <laughs> he goes, yeah. What'd you see? Nothing. No, we we don't have anything out here. We have a Bojangles, an ABC, a Wendy's that's open half the time because they can't find enough people to work there. And we've got a North Carolina, we have a food line, like a grocery stores, you know, big grocery store, whatever chain grocery stores that you have in your market. This is the lower end in our market. But as far as getting stuff delivered out to us, you know, DoorDash doesn't come out here. Instacart doesn't come out here. Um, any of those, what they call gig economy stuff, getting stuff delivered out here outside of like Amazon and Walmart, the, the big companies will deliver out here. Of course, they want your money. They have the money to, to pay people to bring stuff out here, but like, Small little companies, like, there's no Burger King out here. We don't have Burger King. There's no McDonald's out here. So no one's delivering McDonald's out here. And one place that we don't have uh, is Domino's, Domino's Pizza. You know, Domino's delivers. Yay. Well, not out here. And, you know, for those that are lucky enough to have these delivery type systems set up in their area, and they just don't want to go out like today right now. I just went down outside the studio, and it's raining. And when I say rain, it's that cold, wet rain that we have right now. If I wanted to get something to eat from somewhere else, I'm, I don't want to drive out there. I'll pay someone to come over here and, uh, you know, a service fee to come over here and drop something off for us. Unfortunately, <laughs> no one lives out here or no one delivers to us out here. So we have to make everything from scratch here on the property. But if you're lucky enough to have some kind of delivery system or set up, uh, DoorDash or Instacart or food, whatever delivery system, 
You know, don't be a butt about it. A customer posted a security camera footage of a Domino's delivery driver asking them for the tip. Now, this works both ways. <laughs> you know, hey, I came all this way. Where's my tip? So let's get into the story here. The delivery driver asking them for a tip as they handed them the pizza is now going viral on TikTok. Of course. That's where everything goes viral now. Screw Instagram and all the other stuff. In the video posted by TikTok user, and this is just user, so it's they didn't want to even fill out their name. The Domino's worker asked for a tip when the person didn't immediately offer one. Points out the customer had a car. Then she tells them to drive to get their pizza next time. The customer explained to the driver that delivery is more for her convenience and says have a good day without even handing them a tip. Come get it yourself next time, the worker says on the porch. The caption reads, entitlement is killing me. Domino's, come get your girl. Absolutely F not, which was actually posted on the thing. The video has gotten over 2.7 million view, views as of December 13th with users split on who was right and who was wrong. Most of the people came to the customer's defense by putting the driver on blast and asking for the tip before completing the actual delivery. And I'll show you the video here in just one second. And if you want to see this video for every podcast we do, I have a matching video as well. You can see this in real time. And uh, we can watch this video together. And you tell me who was right and who was wrong. If someone literally said tip, like, quote, tip for me, I would simply wouldn't give it to them anymore. I always tip, but the audacity to immediately say tip before the transaction is completed is another step in the wrong direction. So here we go. Let's see what actually happened here. Go to camera four. So this video, let me sure we're all on the right page here. So this video, it looks like it's cold out. She's got a little... Sky piece on the delivery driver, rather large gal, but it looks like there's snow in the background. So there's one. The delivery driver had to drive through the snow or through the cold sleet or hail to get this pizza to her. So let's turn this up and we can all watch this and be friends at the same time. Make sure I have the volume up. So here we go. She's getting ready to hand the person through the door, uh, the Domino's pizza. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. No. Yeah. So you have a car. So you all right, so if you miss it, it's quick. The the lower voice, the deeper voice is the delivery driver. And she's like as soon as she pulls it out of that, that heating box, says tip, and then the girl who's got the light fluttery butterfly voice says, No, no. And then the girl goes, uh the driver goes, You got a car and come get it next time. So listen again. Here we go. Tip. No. Yeah. So you have a car. So you pay us. Well, <laughs> Just so you I'm know. Convenient. Yeah, I know. Thank you. But you have a good day. Take yeah. care. Come get it. You know, next time. Yeah, come get it next time. So I don't know what's the latest on that driver or what her problem. Maybe, maybe she had a bad day, but you know, don't take your bad days out on people who don't deserve it. On both parties, you know, maybe the, the person getting the pizza was like going, oh, I just found out my husband was sleeping with the secretary. I'm not cooking dinner. I just want a pizza. Meanwhile, the driver comes up and she's like, oh, just found out that the water pipe busted in my house. Now I got to pay for that. How am I going to pay for that? Oh, I got to get more tips. So maybe those two came to a pinnacle and they were like going, can I have a tip? No, I paid for the pizza to be delivered because I'm not cooking tonight. You go <laughs> on your own merry way. It was kind of rude for her to ask right at the very beginning, but who am I to judge? Now, there is a mysterious thing that was happening on the Internet, 
And a lot of people are like, well, that's not real. This is, this is Amazon trying to get, you know, another dollar out of my pocket. And it was basically during this time, this period, that you wanted to thank your Amazon. I'm talking your Amazon, literally the, the sprinter van that pulls up in your driveway or pulls up in your, the side area that actually is an Amazon driver. We've seen videos, door cameras all the time about Amazon drivers coming up and there's a basket full of goodies over there and they're like, Oh, thank you. And they're on camera. Sometimes there's a little pooch there and they, they, they pet the little pooch. Thank you very much. Uh, I think there was even one camera or one video. I don't know if it was Amazon where the flag, American flag was falling down and the guy picked it back up, straightened it back up, unfurled it and put it back in its stand. But these are the videos and stuff that are being captured now with our door cameras and everything about delivery drivers. And then sometimes you're not there, of course, sometimes you're not there uh, to thank them or say, you know, we appreciate you. So the rumors about telling Alexa to thank my driver. So here's an update. Amazon's promotion of offering a $5 tip to eligible delivery drivers ended this past week on December 8th after the company announced that it had received more than 1 million thank yous from U.S. customers. Well, that's a good thing. I guess they didn't, in my opinion, I'm just hearing about it uh, actually last week when this came out. Someone posted something on, on Facebook, on the TikTok feeds, and everyone's like, oh, that's not real. That's not real. So Amazon really didn't push that a whole lot. So who's the bad guy there? Although drivers were no, are no longer getting tipped, the company says customers can still share their appreciation by saying, Alexa, thank my driver. Amazon ships billions of packages every year, and the holiday is one of the busiest times in this season. Claims that Amazon customers will be able to thank their drivers by using the new Alexa feature during the holiday season began to spread on social media on December 7th. And then it ends on, so they had like 24 hours to do this? Come on, Amazon. Amazon, do me a favor. Is the Amazon Alexa tip for your driver's feature real? Yes, it is. This feature was only available in the United States. Customers with the Alexa-enabled devices, such as Echo, Echo Show, or Alexa, Amazon Shopping Mobile apps could download on their smartphones starting on December 7th at any time. Amazon customers said, Alexa, thank my driver, or Alexa, tell my driver thank you. Uh, they were for drivers who delivered their packages, most recent packages in the last 14 days, would be notified by customers' appreciation. For a limited time, the drivers would also get a $5 tip at no cost to the customer, according to Amazon. Not all delivery drivers are eligible for the tip. Uh, the $5 is limited to Amazon Flex Delivery Partners, delivery associations employed by Amazon, and Hub DP drivers who deliver for Amazon packages. So if you receive an Amazon package from like USPS or UPS or another carrier, those drivers will not receive the $5. Well, that sucks. Verify test of this new feature was with mixed results. An Echo device show that it worked, but additional tests on Alexa enabled devices show that the feature did not work every day. So this was like a test run for them to see who got paid and who didn't get paid. Amazon, do me a favor. Activate that thing right now, right now, and run it all the way till the end of the year because there's still a lot of stuff going on. There's still a lot of things going on. And if you want to get your Amazon drivers, you want to empower your employees a little bit more, by all means, activate that. And then not necessarily make it a $5 tip. I worked for retail for many years. Uh, we used to go on like merit badges, and when when a customer or delivery driver gets a certain amount of merit badges, hey, guess what? Give them a little something at the end of the day. Hey, Alexa, thank my driver, thank my Amazon driver, or whatever the the phrase is, and then that person, Chad Longwick, 
who's my delivery driver. I just made that name up. If there's a Chad Longwick out there, he's like, hey, he's talking about me on the air. And, you know, work out some kind of incentive program. Hey, do a good job. Do it all the time. Uh, you're on your own out there. We have no way of monitoring you. God knows the bad stories come in through the videos, like the the Domino's Pizza Girl. But there's also good times that come through there as well, and a lot gets missed. So Amazon, activate that or do something kind of incentive program where they get like merit badges or points or something like that. I'd like to see that. I would love to see that in our community just to say, hey, man, you know, everyone's down on each other. Let's let's see if we can up some people in our own community that are running around and doing us so we don't have to go out and buy stuff on our own. They're just dropping it off on our doorstep. All right, guys, on that note, I'm going to let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on our social media. The way you do that is go to Talk Radio, P-R-O-P. ET Radio, click on social contacts. On that note, guys, my name is Deacon saying good night. Good night. Wait, wait, wait! Come back! This is the end. The absolute end. Écoute-moi.